0: Hi everybody, uh, Alan Walsh here with Adam Wild on another
1: episode of Agent Provocateur. How are you today, Adam? I'm good, Alan. I'm I'm anxiously awaiting our guest because this is going to be quite the episode.
0: It it, it really is. Um, and and just as a, a bit of a, a preface uh, to introducing our guest, uh, anybody who's followed me on Twitter or has. Uh, listened to me speak previously knows uh, how passionate I am uh, about the issue of uh hits to the head uh and and for future neurological issues that come up, uh, especially in retired players uh and and I've never really discussed where uh, my passion for the issue comes from so very briefly I'll tell you that, uh, a number of years ago, I got a call from a player that I was always very close to that I represented. He was retired, uh, uh, living in the United States. And uh, he called me one day and, uh, and, and I answered the phone. And he said, Alan, I, I am. And he sounded uh, very anxious and troubled. And he said, Alan, I'm I I just pulled the car over. I went to the market to pick up some groceries for my wife. and, And I can't find my way home. And his house was about two miles from the supermarket, a trip that he had done hundreds of times previously. And on his way home, he got lost, could not figure out where he was, pulled the car over, and called me. And, uh, and, and this player uh, shared with me that he was forgetting things. He would lose his phone and search for it for hours. He'd lose his keys and not be able to find them. Um, He would forget appointments. He would uh, forget um, how to eventually, how to get to his kid's school to pick them up. Uh, And I started, you know, I set up several appointments with him with different neurologists and he had all the tests done. And I remember speaking to one of the doctors uh one day after who said you know Alan he's he's just he's he's one of those players that is is just has some 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 issues with his brain right now and and I and I remember talking to this player um after I spoke with the doctor and I said hey you know what I'm just trying to remember here how many concussions did you have in your career? And he said, um, including before I got to the NHL, I said, yeah, in, in your whole life. And he said, well, 16, 17, if you want to add them all up. And I said, and those are the ones you think you had or those are just the documented ones. He said oh no 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 those are the documented ones if we talk about the other times probably in the 20s oh my god and and there's lots of players in the past and present who suffer head injuries traumatic brain injuries and even with all the awareness and education out there you know hockey players It's part of their DNA to want to get back out on the ice as fast as possible. And and that was really part of the, the his situation that really made me open my eyes and start voraciously reading everything written on the topic. And the more I read and the more I understood and the more I talked to players, the angrier I got that. So many people involved in the game of hockey look the other way and don't seem to care about the issue or to do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And that's really the lead in to our guest this week. Welcome to another episode of Agent Provocateur. I'm Alan Walsh with Adam Wilde. Our special guest today is a lawyer. He won six Stanley Cups, playing goal for the Montreal Canadiens, inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame in 1983, the former president and general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, the author of several best selling books, including The Game, hailed as one of the greatest hockey books ever written. We're honored to welcome to the podcast Ken Dryden.
2: Thanks, Alan. I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? Okay. I mean, it's, uh, the, the sun is shining here, and which it hasn't been doing a lot of for the last little while, so it does feel like spring is coming. That's great.
0: That's great. You recently wrote a very moving column in the Toronto Star, and the title of it was My Friend Bob Murdoch is struggling with Lewy body dementia. We must do more to stop headshots in sports. You ended your column with these words. The NHL and the NHLPA talk about doing more. Doing more is good. Doing enough, that's the real point. So Ken, in your opinion, is the NHL and the NHLPA doing enough to protect players' brains?
2: No, not at all. And, and um, uh, I, I think that there has been a, an, an evolution uh, in the last 10 or 15 years from basically um, either a lack of awareness, perhaps at first, then um, – largely um, uh, kind of distraction and purposeful distraction from it and then working towards a point where there's there's pretty universal recognition there is outside of the NHL and in in other sports and there is I think pretty much within the league as well that this is a problem Um, and but the question is and, and it's it's something that um, it's really easy for anybody who's a decision maker. And I, I've been in positions of making decisions as well. It's really easy to say, well, we're doing more. Um, I actually heard uh, uh, today uh, on, a, um, uh, on, on a sports broadcast, and it talked about Roger Goodell and, and what the NFL is doing in terms of, of diversity and uh, um, and hiring and so on, and his phrase was um, you know, like making progress. No. you know that that's the easiest phrase in the world, uh, and especially when you start with a really low bar. I mean, almost anything is doing more. Almost anything is making progress. The real question. Always the real question for any decision maker in any field is that given the nature of the problem, is the action that you are taking um, adequate and sufficient to address the problem? That is the doing enough. That's the point of it all. And, and sometimes you get into things where, um, you know, you can't do anymore. I mean that that you know you you, you look around and you just sort of are completely um, you know there any answer is just absent. Um, we're all going to die. I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. Um, but when you get into fields where, in fact, you in moments and situations where you can do something, and if then you don't do something. That is really wrong. And that's the point of all of this. This is not a matter of throwing your arms up in the air and saying, I guess that's just in the nature of the game. I guess that's just the way we play. I guess, you know, that this has always been and always will be. The game is the game and you can't change the game. That's not it at all. This game has changed forever, ever since the beginning. So that's the problem that I have in that regard. And and with the article that you mentioned, what I wanted to write about, and I think the only way that any of us really come to get it, isn't through the science of it, because almost none of us really um, are are competent, sufficiently competent in science, certainly not confident uh, of, of what we know about science. And we're pretty much uh, at the mercy of of what this scientist says, as opposed to that one. And even though the overwhelming uh, um, uh, um, uh, message of of scientists and the universal message of of those who are highly regarded, uh, make the connection between uh, uh, brain injuries and head hits, uh, even in spite of all, is that the way we get it, I think, is when we personalize it. Yes. Is, it, you know, is that what what is it like, actually, when you have a brain injury? And Bob Murdoch, who you mentioned, and, and all of us who who know Bob, um, he, he just he was he, we call him mud. So he's, he's mud to everybody who whoever played with him or played against him uh, and, and and other friends he has. And Mudd and I played together with the Canadian national team. We were roommates um, uh, uh, that year in Winnipeg. We played together with the Montreal Voyageurs in the American Hockey League. Uh, we played together with the Canadians. And then we played against each other when, when he was with the, uh, the L.A. Kings. And, and, uh, and Mudd was a good player. I mean, he, he wasn't a great player, but he was a good player. A very solid, sound defenseman. Uh, who was very smart. I mean, he just, he just knew how to play, and, and that's the way he played at every level. And he was never going to make it because, you know, he, went, he played college hockey at the University of Waterloo. Well, nobody ever came from Canadian colleges to play in the NHL, almost nobody from U.S. colleges at that particular time. So he was never going to make it. Right. But he just worked at it and worked at it and worked at it. And got better and and worked his way up, you know, with the national team, and then and and so on. And Bob, Bob was a um, he was a defenseman, so there was always physical contact. Um, but he wasn't he wasn't a basher, and he wasn't a goon. Uh, I mean, he he got into a few fights in his career um, because virtually every player at that time did get into at least a couple of fights. Because it was a time when even though each team had a tough guy, the understanding was that you you had an obligation to right your own wrongs. So if anybody did something to you, you would need to do something back as opposed to the goon that you had on your team doing that. And so that was the nature of of any of the fights that that he was in. And again, he was a non-fighter. Uh, he, almost always the people that he would be fighting with were non-fighters. It was kind of no big deal. So how would Bob, who who played that way and played in the NHL for about 10 years uh, before becoming a, an assistant coach in the league and a head coach, how would he end up um, where he is now at age 75 and after um, you know, starting to show significant signs of some problems, some cognitive problems starting around 10 years ago and most, most particularly in the last five years, how would that happen? And, 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 and uh, I mean, it happens to people. I mean, you know, at different times we have problems of dementia. It could happen to anybody at almost any age, but it does seem to happen more often to those who are involved in, in contact sports and those involved in hockey. And in the NHL,
0: um, former NHL players, uh, there have been uh, 14 former NHL players who've had their brains examined after death for CTE, and 13 of them have been found to have significant
2: or severe CTE and yeah, and 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 the thing the thing that that I think that's that's certainly part of the discussion yeah but I think there's another part of the discussion as well, and that is in the absence of first of all, as you described you you don't know uh, you know one doesn't know that you have CTE or not and, and unless it's postmortem and there's been an examination of your brain that's right. one but the other part is that is that in the absence of CTE, that doesn't mean that you don't have significant cognitive problems, memory problems, uh, um, uh, anxiety, uh, uh, depression, um, uh, um, anger, anger. I mean, those those things. and so it's not CTE or nothing, right? You know, that you know, the CTE. Is certainly the smoking gun. But in advance of CTE, there are other smoking guns. And that becomes, you know, the, the point in all of this. And for all of the, you know, the players, those who are playing currently, um, you know, as well as those who have played in the past, I think pretty much everybody has seen teammates and friends where they're struggling a bit you know, they're, they're forgetful. They forget their keys. They're they're You know, those things happen with age to everybody, but they do seem to be happening younger and young. And and so why is this, why is this? That's why I wanted to write about Bob. I mean, Bob, Bob certainly played at another time, but Bob played in a way that is like this time. This isn't something where a current player or their families can say, well, yeah, it's something to worry about. But really, these guys are of another time, a different generation. We played differently then. We didn't know about these things then. Now we know about them. Now we're treating them better, this and that. You know, sorry, it, 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 it's a nice, hopeful explanation. But the fact is, is that the way Bob played is, is, is the way that you would see on the ice surface now, and that, and that current players would play. It's why in the same article I mentioned, you know, Stan Makita and Ralph Backstrom. Yep. They were, they were older than Bob and I are. Uh, uh, and they, again, in, in, in their 70s, developed uh, um, uh, 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 Louis body dementia. Uh, and, and, and after their death were discovered to have had CTE. Yes. And again, easy to say. Another time, another story, doesn't, doesn't pass the test. Those guys were players who were skaters. They were, they were on the play. They were physical in the way of being on the play. They weren't bashers. They weren't fighters. They played the way this game is played now. Stan Makita, when he was a kid, you know, uh, 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 an immigrant from, from Czechoslovakia, um, he was a fighter. He, you know, he felt that that you know that he had to fight in order to survive as a kid growing up in St. Catharines um, and, and then and, and on the ice as well. Then he comes to the NHL, does the same for a couple of years, and realizes I don't need to play that way you know, any longer. He's a, I think, four-time scoring champion. These were players that you know, it would be convenient to be able to dismiss. But, right. but are, they are undismissible in, in, in this question. That's why I wanted to write about them and write about the, the human impact of it, because that's the problem with brain injuries, is that it, it's not nice to have a brain injury. You know, we've all had shoulder injuries. We have knee injuries. We don't like to have them. They, you know, we can't move our shoulder as well as we'd like to. We can't move our knee uh, as well as we'd like to. Try, try a brain, you know, in that way. You know, And, that, that, and that's the thing,
0: Ken. When, when players of your era played, everyone knew I might have a bad shoulder later on in life. Or I might need a knee replacement one day after hockey based on the number of knee injuries or cartilage that have been removed in surgery. But no one knew, no one was informed, known it was never talked about that all these players who had concussions and were jolted up against the boards and the collisions and the, the fighting and the body checks. Uh, and, and, and now we know it's not necessarily concussions but repetitive, subconcussive blows to the head, head impacts that might lead to neurodegenerative disease later on in
2: hockey, they didn't know. You didn't know. Yeah, it, that's, you know that's true. But what that can do is also be a distraction from the point. It can for, for somebody who is inclined not to focus on this they can they can again say well that was then they didn't know we know now and because we know now we're doing things differently our doctors are doing things differently our coaches are doing things differently the media is reporting um, uh, differently and therefore now is a totally different world. And we don't need to pay attention to anything, you know, before, because we're not going to, um, 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 you know, suffer the same consequences that those that came before. That is, you know, that is false reasoning. Because you, what you need to do is, again, what is it that is the cause of these things? As best we know, as the best scientists know, it is blows to the head. You know, blows to the head can happen in 1875 uh, at, uh, at the Victoria Rink when the first game was played, or they can happen, you know, right now. Those blows to the head can happen. And, 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 uh, and, and, and the key of it is, is finding ways of reducing and reducing and reducing those blows to the head. You're not going to remove them all. This doesn't become that kind of an argument. Right. Of course, again, you know, that the, the somebody who doesn't want to pay attention can just sort of say, well, you know, there's always going to be hits and there's always going to be this. Of course, there is. There are always going to be players knocked out. Of course, there are. There are always going to be concussions. Of course, there are. The point is, is that you can reduce the number significantly and and then, and then even more. That is the point of it all. This is not... A hopeless situation at all. Again, where you just sort of say, well, you know, too bad. But uh I guess it's either or we either play or we decide not to play. And and that's life, is that no, we can make our game better. We can make the game safer. I mean, look at the guys who who are the great stars of this of, of, of this game, forever going back. I mean, you know, that whether it's Rocket Richard, and, 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 and Gordie Howe and Bobby Orr and, 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 and Guy Lefleur and Mario Lemieux and, and, and Wayne Gretzky. And right up through the present, how many of those guys are headhunters? Virtually zero. Go down to the second level player. You know, really outstanding players, you know, Andy Bathgate, uh, Frank Mahovlich, Bobby Hull. Great, great. Player. How many of them are headhunters? Virtually zero. You know, and, and contemporary players, you know, Sidney Crosby. You know, look at the way he plays. Tough, physical, in the corners, in front of the net, never backing off. You know, that's the game that can be played. And that is played by virtually every player in the league. And so somehow they manage to do it and do it in a way where, you know, where they they are not a a threat, really, uh, in terms of of head injuries to, to the next player they're playing against. It's absolutely possible. That's the part that's the inexcusable thing. We go back to doing, you know, doing something, doing more, making progress, you know, why that isn't the standard. That would be the standard if you really can't do anything more. There is all this that can be done more. And again, almost all of the players, Alan, that you represent now and those that you will represent in the future, they've come up in minor hockey where none of this is a factor. I mean, you go to the rink, I go to the rink. I've got, you know, we, we have two grandsons who are 14 and 11 who play minor hockey. They, they live in Connecticut. They play hockey uh, in, the, in the Northeast. We're able to catch their games streamed. We watch them play. We go to their games when we're around. You know, none of this stupid stuff. They play like crazy. They skate like crazy. They pass like crazy. They do stuff that is unimaginable. That's the nature of today's game. That's the, the that's where the possibilities are. That's the future game, not the one that those, you know, that, that many people in the NHL offices or in the PA offices are, are the former players who, you know, who, uh, uh, you know, who who played the game, who are that wonderful voice because they played the game. The problem is they never played this game. They don't get this game. You know, this is the game that they need to be making decisions on, not the game that is stuck in their head from 30 years ago. So you proposed... Um many times, and, and, and in a
0: wonderful book that you wrote about Steve Monitor called Game Change, that one of the major ways to um, focus and deal with this whole issue is a strict liability rule against hitting to the head. And I've talked with general managers, I've talked with people at the PA, Uh, And I've even talked with a few players about that idea. And many players agree, but it's the former players, just like you said, who are general managers or working in management in some capacity, working with the team. The common refrain I hear is, if you do that, you will take all
2: hitting out of the game. How do you respond to that? It's nuts. It, it bears no relationship to reality. Um, and, and, and I mean, I think that I, I'm, I'm not sure that your phrasing is the right phrasing of strict liability. That's, you know, that's a lawyer's phrase. Let's, let's move it into a hockey phrase. OK, it's no hits to the head. You know, that's that's what it is. A hit to the head is a penalty. That's what it is. And 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 so for those people that you have spoken with that say that, whoa, that gets rid of, you know, uh, uh, hitting in hockey and, and, you know, this strict liability stuff is that is that um, ask those same players um, uh, who, who probably when the rule was changed, where if you Shoot if you're in your own zone and if you shoot the puck over the glass is an automatic penalty. Strict liability. Soon as you shoot it over the glass, penalty. Doesn't matter how it happened. Shorter glass in one rink than another as it was at one point early in the period or late in the period when the puck is flipping. You know, whatever the explanations are, doesn't matter. If you shot it, it's not deflected, goes over the glass, penalty. The world came to an end for a month. Argument, this is nuts. The guys on TV, the commentators, this is a ridiculous rule. Sometimes it would put a team two men short, crazy stuff. What happened a month after that? Nothing. I mean, that it it is the it is virtually there are two rules now that basically result in no arguments at all. One of them is this one. Of where, you know, it happens. The player is in the penalty box almost before the referee is over there to announce the penalty. I mean, he just goes there. He knows what's happened. He knows that it was dumb and it and there are all these explanations, but he also knows that it doesn't matter. He just goes to the box. Mm-hmm. The, the game goes on, life goes on. The coach finds a new strategy. The players find new strategies. It's no big deal. The other one that, you know, same sort is the is the stick to the face. Yeah. Same thing again. You know, when it first, you know, was was implemented, it was like, this is crazy. This is nuts. He didn't intend to. You know, he struck somebody on the on the upper arm and it deflected up into the face. I mean, none of and and the world was going to come to an end then as well. Month later, ever since, no arguments. You know, it it you face penalty, bleeding, double minor. That's it. No big deal. You know that you you can do that. It's 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 you know it didn't end the game as we know it. As this wouldn't end the game as we know it. Players are, you know, I mean, I've, I I uh, I mean, I've said this very very often, is that I think players are among the most competitive people on earth. And it's because they they are the most adaptable people on earth. They and, and actually the other way around it, you know, that they they are, are are the most adaptable people on earth because they're the most competitive people on earth. That that you know, just give them a situation and and they find a way. That's their job. That's what they've been doing since they were five years old and they started playing. Is that every game goes in a hundred different directions that they never imagined and that coach had never planned for, and they've got to have answers for. And so they do. Same thing, you know, in, in all of this, it's, it's so utterly answerable, on the one hand, and on the other, the, the, the result is so unforgiving and so lousy. I mean, you know, that again, it is one thing to have a knee that limps. It is a totally, totally other thing when you have a brain that limps. That is a bad deal. You don't want that to happen. And this doesn't need to happen in nearly the same dimensions as it happens now. And it will happen in the future unless enough is done to deal with it. So Ken, why?
0: Why are we here? Why have the powers that be who run the game, not seen fit to make these changes? Why?
2: That's a really good question. And, and, and I think that I started with the assumption that, um, w- one, that, that science was uh, you know, sort of insufficient to be very clear. We're well beyond that now. That parked that. Yes. Um, um, I thought that that there would there was a a a lack of awareness of the real consequences in terms of players and players lives. I think that uh, um, uh, I think the answer to that one is that, yeah, that's probably right. But that is a willful ignorance. It's it is there. I mean, any any owner of a team, all they need to do if they're interested is is, is uh, you know just you know ha- have a conversation with with some of the players who played five years earlier or ten years earlier, uh, have, ha- have having had those conversations with uh, with those players five years from the end of their careers and notice the differences that are there. It is it is total willful ignorance. Um, so you know that that uh, you, you can legitimately. Park that. Um, the thing that, that is stunning to me, and, and then, then I, what I thought is that, well, um, it, it, it's, it, it's the absence of answers. And so that's why when I wrote um, uh, Game Change, um, you know, I, the longest chapter in the book is the here's how. And, you know, utterly consistent with the, with the history of the game, with the understandings of the game, some of the stuff that we've been talking about today, the fact that the head has always been understood as, as, as a vulnerable area. That's why 100 years ago or whenever it was that, that uh, a high sticking penalty was implemented. You know, you don't high stick somebody's shoulder. It's all about high sticking somebody's head an elbow. You don't elbow somebody's shoulder, it's elbowing somebody's head. So you have specific penalties for hits to the head. So, you know, I, I thought that maybe that, you know, that, that somehow there wasn't confidence uh, of an answer. And again, if there isn't, um, it's it's willful uh, uh, um, uh uh, ignorance of it and a willful um, a misdirection and, and 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 look the other way. The thing that and 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 so the the league has been virtually silent. Uh, uh, I think that there have been um, um, some increase in in, uh, in in penalties and suspensions uh, uh, than before. Um, uh, uh, I think that that um, that that is part of things. I think the commentators are much have, have changed, and in and, and in the sense where almost always now, if if there's a hit, um, uh, the the commentator will ask the question was that a head hit you know was was it a head hit or or, or was it on the shoulder or or you know, and uh, and 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 so there's there's a much greater sensitivity among the commentators now in terms of making a hit to the head its own special category and that is you know that's better than before one of the 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 and the and the NHL as a league they seem to be you know, to to take things as you know, this is 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 to make it all legalistic, and and say, uh, you know, uh, prove it, you know, prove it, go to a court, prove it, prove it, prove it, and and as and as soon as science knows, we'll follow the science, which is a complete again, um, uh, completely disingenuous, because the nature of science is that you never know. Science is always about knowing the best you can know at any particular time. And then it's the job of the decision-maker to know the best that can be known at a time and then applying it. Uh, And so, you know, again, you know, it's just a decision not to. One One of the parties that is, to me, mystifyingly silent in it is the Players Association. I mean, it's like, when have you heard Don Fear say anything about this? I mean, really? Like when was the last time and and of of any kind of significance? When does that seem to come up as, as a question to be dealt with in terms of the league? And when? Why? And, and then mostly why? Why this silence? And one would think this would be
0: one of the predominant workplace safety issues of our time.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, that that I mean that again, when when there is this kind of a silence, then you sort of think like, well, there's there's got to be a reason for this. I mean, that 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 this is not for nothing that it's this way. So if you say to yourself, as you just said, Alan, of where this, this is about a workplace. This is about the safety of a workplace. Players' unions, a, a union of any sort, has to do with the workplace. It has to do with the, the economics of a workplace and, and, and the economic rewards of a workplace. It also has to do with the safety of a workplace. Yes. So if, if that's what... Essentially, by definition, a player's union, a player's association is this. And and, and if, in fact, so that can be the first part of it. Then the second part of it is, is that, okay? if you're the player's association and if you're the head of the player's association, it is your job to maximize the benefits um, uh, towards your membership. That's your job. Any union, anywhere, in any field, that's your job, maximizing the benefits. And what drives us, Ken,
0: and what drives me is the idea that the money and the lifestyle and the quality of life and the cognitive abilities that players have when they retire, they get to
2: enjoy that, not for five years, but for 50 years. Alan, this is the point, and this is what we've talked about before, and this is the crunch of it, and the crux of it, and this is the question that I would want Don Fear to answer, and and that is is that if it is your job, your your background, Don, is in is from baseball, you your mentor, you know your hero was Marvin Miller, Marvin Miller was central to the uh, uh to the steelworkers union um, um steelworkers are people that that uh, you know where safety matters you know that's part of the negotiations and 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 so so don you know you're you're, you're part of a uh, part of that you you're you're there with marvin miller in baseball the 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 issues are more economic than they are safety, that's fine. That's the way it is. You know, you're maximizing the benefits. Wherever the benefits happen to be, wherever the problems you know, happen to be, you have to address them. Mostly in baseball, they were economic. Yeah. Some, some safety, but mostly economic. Then you move over to hockey. In hockey, it's, it's both. It's economic and it is safety. Now it's your job. It's the players association's job to maximize the benefits to your membership. That means in terms of the economic returns, that means in terms of the safety. And, and, and what I would want to hear him answer is that, is that Don, don't you think that it is your job to see that the players get as much money as possible? While they're playing, and then have as much time as possible, you know, safe, cognitive, cognitively, uh, um, cognitively healthy, and and uh, to enjoy that money for the next fifty years of their lives after they stop playing, is that not the job of it? It is to maximize the the financial return and to maximize the enjoyment of that return over all of those years. I don't know, I, I haven't, I, I, I gave a talk one time where Don was in the audience and I made sure I, I, I made that point and I've never heard an answer. Why isn't it both? And as we've talked about earlier, it can be both. It's right. not about giving up the economic opportunity in, in, in order to, have, to enjoy that economic opportunity longer, you can, you know, address your own workplace and make it a much safer place, just as unions everywhere, associations everywhere uh, have done as the steel workers did as the coal miners in Pennsylvania, and in, in West Virginia, that's what you do. So why not? I mean, tell me why it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay, so let's say right now
0: you're addressing the current players of today. That's part of your audience right now. What do you say to them?
2: I say to them, you can have it both ways. You you totally can have it both ways. That's the part that, you know, that one, your game can change as your game has always changed. Even those who are the veteran players, you know now, or even players have only played five or so years; they will have seen the changes that have happened. Let alone the changes that have happened over twenty years, forty years, fifty years. You know the, the, the changes happen. Um, th- they have always adapted to those changes. They can make the changes work for them. You know that you don't need to worry about that. You know that they, that that uh, uh, you know you, you you kind of treat this situation as if it's another opponent. And, and with opponents, you're always finding new answers. You find an answer, you know, to all of this. That's the first part of it. And then this and, and 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 the second part is that you you can have that enjoyment 30, 40, 50 years afterwards. I mean, what could be, you know, well, there are a lot of things that could be worse, but but a really bad thing is to be you know 40 years old 45 years old 50 years old and have all of this money that you could do all kinds of things with you can start businesses you can travel you can support you know charitable groups you can whatever 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 you can do any of those things and and and, and the awful thing is that you have all of that possibility and and you don't quite have the capability anymore of doing it that is haunting that is a horrible horrible thing to think about and and so i would say i would say that first of all to the you know the players is that you can have it both ways i would also speak to you know the the players you know wives partners families i know you know that They worry about their player, their their son, their their husband, their partner. Um, They worry about them. They worry about stuff like this. Sure. And and they really, really don't want their husband, son, brother um, to, you know, to be uh, have less capacity uh, to do things as life goes on. And, and, uh, uh, and it's really interesting. I mean, I, you know, that that I've read about uh, uh, a number of NFL players and their wives, they're a pretty active, you know, agitating group. Um, I mean, you know, it's, 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 you're, you're signing up for better or for worse, but you don't want this kind of worse, you know, in it. And, 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 and it doesn't have to be, that way, and I mean, one of the things, you know, in, in all of this, I mean, maybe the most the most effective citizen group, citizen advocacy group that I can think of, and I'm sure that there are others, but but I, they don't come to mind, is Mothers Against Drunk Driving,
1: mm-hmm.
2: mad, and and why are they so effective? Because. They, I mean, they have this total rightness on their side. I mean, and, and the, the wrongness that has happened and the rightness of their position and that utter wrongness of here is their son or daughter who's been in a car accident with somebody uh, you know, else driving who was drunk and, 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 and their kid is dead because, because of it. And how wrong is that? And, and so, and, and, you know, and, and I mean, it was impossible 30 years ago to imagine that drunk driving would be like a real big thing. I mean, 30 years or so ago, it was like, you know, let's go out and get smashed. And, uh, and I was, uh, you know, I was totally smashed and I still drove 400 miles and it was no big deal. I mean, it was a big achievement, you know, and it was a big laugh, not a big achievement, not a big laugh, you know, any, any longer. They changed the mood, you know, on, on, on all of that. They changed the way of thinking on all of that. And I've often thought, you know, is that, is that, is that, you know, the, imagine what mothers could do in terms of head hits. It could be mothers against head hits, M-A-H-H or spouses against head hits, or families against, against head hits, um, you know, that set them loose, you know, that that's what they're feeling. So, you know, that, 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 that allow for it to happen. And so I, I guess what I would just say to, to, to the players is that we all think that we are different from every generation that came before us, all of us in any field. And for the most part, we're not. And and it's hard to understand now. It's hard to appreciate that now. And maybe it's almost impossible to appreciate if you're 22 years old or 25 years old, you haven't had that experience yet. Right. That is why, you know, that is why organizations or fields have things like players associations. That's why you have somebody like Adon Fear who's who's lived seven decades who's experienced all of these things who's seen these kinds of ups and downs others who work at the players association all of those who work in the league the same thing that the players are really in your hands that's you know that in your 40 year old hands your 50 year old hands your 60 year old hands you're supposed to offer this, this other perspective that, that somebody who's 25 is not always going to have. And it's not their fault that they don't have it. They're 25. When we were 25, we were all like that. We all needed another voice that, that sort of that, that said something, that was kind of like the cautionary voice in it, that, that if that if we weren't going to push it, they would. Where is that voice? Where's that alternative voice? You know, these players, you know, are in, you know, in, in your hands as the as the players association, as the league. You know, act, do something. It's possible. And 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 that's what I find totally mystifying. I mean, it's just bizarre. And if I was, if I was a player, I would, I would go to the next players' association meeting. And I would say, Don, you're doing a great job. I mean, you know, that, that the amount, you know, that the money that I'm making and this and that, I mean, it's terrific. I mean, boy, oh boy, am I ever lucky. And I know I'm lucky. And uh, generations of players before me weren't nearly as lucky. And I just pinched myself. And thanks for all you've done. But, but you know, Don, don't, don't you think it's also something that we should talk about, of how as lucky as I am, I really want to be lucky for the rest of my life. Yes. I want to be lucky for 50 more years. And Don, don't you think we can do more on this? Don't you think that that's possible? That's what I would like to say to the players and to their Families to their wives, their partners, their friends. You know, is is you can have it both and and use those instruments. If the players are reluctant, it's it's sort of understandable. The agents, they're another part of you know. They're they're this older voice as well. You know, yep. where is that older voice? You know, uh, uh, in it. But and and if the and if the agents are are you know can be party to the push that's also fine so if you got the players who are reluctant the agents who whose job it is to push but they're not as central in it as as the players are and if you've got the you know the wives and partners and families that um uh you know don't feel it's their place what, what what is it all that they are they are all in, the, in 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 uh, you know the, in the hands of the players association that's i mean that that literally the players association is the instrument of the players and and by extension the instrument of those that are closely connected to the players their families and their agents you know they're you know they're the instrument they're the body to push you know this and instead, silence, silence. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's 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 bizarre. And I and I understand that there's a meeting coming up in, in, in April with the agents and 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 the Players Association. And, and you, you, you know all about it. And I only know a little bit about it. and of where it's the conversation between the Players Association and the agents. And I don't understand why an agent wouldn't sound like the player that I'm talking about, saying, Don, you're doing a great job, all of this, but don't you think, don't you think, and why not? And, 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 and this whole thing, Don, remember, Don, the central point, the crux of all of this, your job to maximize the benefits for the players uh, now and for the maximum enjoyment of the players later. That, it's two things. There's not a period over maximizing the benefit of the players now, period. No, no period, comma, then, and to maximize the benefit that the players will feel over their lifetimes. That otherwise, is- Otherwise, what's
0: the point? What's the point? You make all this money. You have a wonderful, beautiful family, and you're 40 years old. You're retired and you have neurological issues your brain isn't working properly what's the point of everything you've just done
2: that's that's the that's the question that needs to be to be asked and and to insist that the answer comes i mean we're all pretty good at dancing and and of you know kind of offering an answer and, uh, you know, and, and kind of not. And, and uh, I remember, I don't even remember saying this, but apparently I did. It was when I was, when I was with Elise, and there was a, a guy who worked there at the time, and he's still there. And he remembers me saying it, and that it was kind of a, an ongoing joke between us. And it would be after he would tell me about a variety of things, and I would say, you know, I, I, you know that, that that I would say, um, don't tell me how rough the waters are. Just bring the ship home. <laughs> <laughs> and that's you know to to Don to Gary to uh, you know that no sorry not interested in you telling me how rough the waters are. Bring the ship home. It's able to be brought home, and and there's an
1: obligation to bring it home. Adam. Do you have anything to add right now? I, I I wanted to ask you, Ken, because and and you know my age group. I'm 33 years old. I didn't know hockey. I didn't know a Saturday night without Don Cherry. Uh, for I mean, 31 of those years, and the type of um, the type of coverage that that espoused, and obviously Don was a huge name. Huge name. You didn't miss Don Cherry on a Saturday night. You know, he talked about the the rough and tumble Canadian, the uh, the uh, what Canadian hockey was supposed to be like. You know how you stood up for your your uh, your teammates, and oftentimes, and, and can you get into this in the book about the fighting and and uh, the, the culture and how hockey shifted in the eighties, where fighting basically doubled overnight. And it's incredible to see the culture shift that's occurred. In the last, I would say, five years, because Don Cherry went from being the voice to very quickly with people my age, we started to look at the research and say, okay, this doesn't make sense. This, This doesn't square anymore. The fan support is there, especially among younger fans. It's not hard for us to envision a world with less fights because we've seen it. We've watched it decrease and decrease and decrease. And I think the most frustrating thing is, a la... Um, climate change, it seems to be the, the, the only people holding back are the people that hold the keys. So what can fans do to help move the needle here? Because as a fan, I'm listening and going, all of this makes complete sense to me and I can see a game where there's hitting, where it's not completely safe, but you're minimizing and you're doing everything you can to minimize it, just like traffic accidents. There will always be traffic accidents, but how do you minimize them? So what does a fan do Mr. Dryden and Mr. Walsh, to move this forward on our end?
2: That's a really good question. And, and, and it's interesting, your, your description of, of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's interesting, the, um, like, what, if I was just a fan in this, one of the things that, that has surprised me about, and, and this would be something that I would have some influence on, I think, is, is CBC's coverage, is that, is that Don Cherry has been replaced, but the essential tone of the commentary hasn't changed a lot. I mean, Don Cherry is much more entertaining and and more interesting in a way and had, a, you know, and has a very interesting mind. Uh, um, but the kind of commentary and the and, and the tough guy voice is there and kind of carries the day. I mean, is the one that, you know, that that anybody that might have another opinion. It's uh, you know, you, you you have to kind of fight for your space. And and you're not going to be taking that seriously because uh, this other guy's a real hockey guy and anybody else is just kind of pretend. And so it's like CBC. Um, are you watching hockey? Are you are you watching this? I mean, the people who are your commentators, mm-hmm. they don't play anymore. They haven't played for some time, some only for you know the last they're only for the last couple of years. Others longer than that. Are they really watching the nature of what is going on in the ice and who the stars are and the secondary stars and the tertiary stars and how they're playing? Are they going? Are they watching kids play? Are they watching the nature of the game as it is? And and if they aren't, they need to. And if they do, they're going to be much less uh, patient with those voices uh, on hockey night in Canada that you know that are kind of the the wise, tough old player roles, you know, in it, time is gone. I mean, really? Was, I mean, you know, that, that uh, um, uh, I, I mean, I'm trying like, I, I, I don't watch the intermissions as much now as, as I used to, it seems to me that, that um, um, is it Kevin, Kevin. He, yeah. I mean, he's he sort the, of the resident hockey Tough guy, you know voice, and and listen to people like Ray Ferrero and others. You know, really interesting, really smart. Uh, you know, thinking, um, watching what is there to be seen, thinking about what he sees, responding to what he sees, not to what is supposed to be seen or what he's always seen before. Be be impatient with, with those that are, that are not talking to a reality. And, and, uh, so that's, that's and, 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 or insist, you know, with hockey Canada is off, offer at least an alternative voice, offer other voices, not so just back. Of kind of a dominant voice. Yeah. And, and, and that the others could be alternative voices, but they aren't, and they don't play that role is that allow for another voice. The, the uh, uh, and 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 the other you know the uh, the other broadcasting or the other networks pretty much the same thing allow for the other voice challenge that voice don't don't just accept that voice and and always say to that voice um, how many players that, that you played with how are they doing know anybody who isn't doing so well. And, and, um, uh, and tell those stories. Tell those, tell those stories.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's, it's like it, it, it's, it's uh, and, and I think that, and so I'm trying to think of how, you know, that, that, that what the fan can do most of, of uh, you know, the best of anybody is, is offer a personal perspective. That's what, I mean, I've, I've done concussion seminars and things like that. And what we always started with, before we brought in the scientists and the rest of it is bring in the local athlete, Mm -hmm. let them tell their story. You know, the, the, the 14 year old girl soccer player, the 17 year old lacrosse player, the, you know, that, that let them tell their story and, and let them tell the story of, of, well, what it was, what was it like? How did it feel? How did it feel? um, uh, Four days later. How did it feel in terms of of what you needed to do in terms of school? What did that make you feel about yourself? Um, You know, how did you deal with your friends? Uh, What does life feel like, you know, under under these kinds of circumstances? Um, Allow for a personal voice, not not sort of a professional um, uh, disconnected, objective voice, Offer the offer the you know somebody who's a friend of of, of somebody like Mud. Just just you know, what is it like to see? What is it like? Lousy, really, really lousy. Well, you know, that's and 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 to put the pressure on those commentators. Okay, I mean, what would really, really be interesting at some point is for a commentator to say, and a few almost have of when there's something really outrageous that happens is, is, not only, you know, that they'll go as far as, well, there's no place for that, you know, in, in the this game that, you know, they'll kind of go that for that, that would, that would be the, the extent of their outrage is really to go farther than that and say, really, what was he doing there? What right did he have to, you know, to put at risk that player uh, and put at risk that player's next year's future, future contract, you know, future career, future life. What right? You know, the, I don't care that that guy's a great guy. We're always hearing that as the explanation. Well, he's really a, he's a great guy. That's not like him. It's a, Well, it, you know, I'm glad he's a great guy. But, but great guys can do lousy things. So allow yourself. To say that this guy's a great guy, but he did a lousy thing. And he had no right to do that. He had no right to put in jeopardy that person, that player, and and and, and what that player's and that person's future may be. No right whatsoever. Now, you know, that would be really good to hear, you know, on on, on, on a broadcast. Um, and I, I, I don't I don't hear that. So I think I mean, as a fan, just just keep pushing on that. You know, no, not not interested in just the professional commentary. I want to hear, you know, the, the rest. I mean, one of the things that that I, you know, I, I thought of at one point is that the NHL and I've, I've seen at least some of them, the uh, the player safety when they when somebody is suspended the videos and, and the explanations that are there. And they're really interesting. I mean, they're, and they're, 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 they're well put together. I mean, that, that you see the, you know, the play from 10 different action or from angles and, 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 and they don't, you know, they, I, I haven't noticed anyway, maybe they do, but I haven't noticed them sort of pulling back from that and not showing a particularly awful angle. I mean, they'll show it. And then they'll offer the explanation of, of what, how that fits into the rules or doesn't fit into the rules. And, and so what I would really love to hear is essentially sort of a, a player impact statement is that, you know, th- this, this is what has, you know, this is what has occurred. And so in the end, you know, player X will be suspended for two games. Um, I want to hear about player Y. You know, the, you know, the player Y is still in the hospital. Or player Y has, has, you know, felt this and felt that. And, 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 and player Y has had uh, uh, a few concussions before. I mean, not only is it in terms of, 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 uh, of, of, of the perpetrator, where there's discussion of whether that person is an, a repeat offender, is that, get into the other person. Is, is, this, is this person, is this other player a... a, a a uh, repeat victim, and uh, where this is his second known concussion or his fourth, and so and that that is taken into consideration as well as the as the repeat offender, you know, part of it. I mean, because those are the consequences back and forth. Right. I mean, not just somebody that gets suspended for two games; it's somebody else who has to live with the action that resulted in the suspension.
0: And when players are concussed or suffering the uh, after effects of a traumatic brain injury, you very rarely if ever hear from them. Mm. And it's sort of the great unsaid. The media doesn't talk about it. the players don't talk about it. It's almost taboo oh
2: no, that's that's a good point and that's that's right and 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 it's It's as if I don't know what it. I guess what it is in part it's that it's um, you know that 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 maybe you know you're jinxing yourself if you're you're talking about it or or that the that your teammates you know that they they don't need to be distracted you know we've all got a task here we've all got a game to win and they don't need to know about. Uh, me dealing with this. Everybody has to deal with something. You know, Fred last week, I know he was struggling with his knee and I know somebody else with, you know, and we're all struggling and nobody needs to know. And, and, uh, uh, and, and, and I think, uh, you know, for whatever reason, and I think that's part of it, is that players, you know, they – and then, you know, and, and, and I don't think any of us want other people to know that we're struggling. I mean, that, 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 you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it it's, it's not, you know, that, that I think that what we want, all of us, and, and it, and it goes back to, you know, to, you know, some of the players that I've been been talking about. Almost all of them don't talk about it, you know, when they're going through it. And I think that the fear is, is that then everybody else will start looking on them in a different way. Yes. But they're, they're no longer Fred. They, they're they Fred after Fred was Fred. And, and I don't want people to treat me other than as Fred. Um, we got along great, you know, when I was Fred. And I love being Fred with them. And I'm really afraid that this will change everything. And so if I don't talk about it and I don't make it a deal in any way, then then even if I'm struggling with it on the one side, at least I'll have a kind of normalcy on the other side. Right. And I think that's probably what happens. Wow.
0: Yeah. Well, Ken, this has been uh, uh, a really heartfelt uh, discussion that it's a topic that has always meant a lot to me. And I've been speaking out... uh, On this issue for uh, many years. I am so honored that you graced us with your presence today and you were so generous with your time. And I make a pledge to you that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure as many NHL players as possible hear this podcast, hear your words, and hope that um, what you've said today and what you've said many times in the past and what you wrote about your friend, Bob Murdoch, and, and some of the other players, players like Stan Nikita and, and Rick Martin and Steve monidor and others, that people will know their stories and and use this as a call to action so that we don't have to come back here in five years and ask each other why, hmm. where where does the silence come from, and I think that's the greatest contribution that we could make today. And I'm so honored to be able to participate in that with
2: you. Well, thanks, Alan, and Ivry, really, and, and and Adam. It's it's uh, it, it's really um, I'm I'm glad to have had the chance to talk to some players in a way that it's often difficult to, to, you know, uh, that, I mean, most, um, most players will not have read the articles that I've written or read the book that, that I did. Uh, most won't hear the interviews that, that are done nor, nor will their spouses or, 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 or partners or families. Yeah. So it's, it, 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 it can be an opportunity, uh, um, to speak. And, and again, you know, just treat it as personally as it really is. I mean, it is a really deeply personal, you know, question and, 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 and a reality of, uh, of, of, of life for you and to understand it that way. And, 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 and don't, don't sit back. I mean, sitting back doesn't work. I mean, at a certain point, what starts to get work and what starts to work is is again like the mothers against drunk driving. It's get mad. I mean, there's every reason to get mad. This is this is your life. This is and 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 your family's life. It's not anybody else's. It's yours. And 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 for and for Gary Bettman and for Don Fear, it's time to bring the ship home.